Oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, there's, of all the failed NDP promises that we've canvassed in this House, there's probably none more disappointing than their failed promise to make housing more affordable. Just as in crime or in health care, so too with housing we find a massive chasm between what was promised and the terrible results that we actually see. Now we'll recall that in the NDP's very first budget they brought forward a whole blizzard of new taxes on housing and they assured us that this was how they were going to get to more affordable housing. So here we are in their second term entering into year six of their mandate. Let's do a gut check. How are we doing? Well, I'm sorry to have to tell the House that uh, British Columbia now enjoys the highest housing prices in North America, third highest on the planet. And it's no wonder that we have a situation where three quarters of existing renters have given up on ever owning a home under this NDP government. The incoming Premier who just went through that tainted leadership race uh, well, Minister responsible for housing oversaw the worst decline in housing affordability in a generation. You don't have to take my word for that. It's actually uh, stats from the National Bank of Canada which pointed out that we saw the single largest decline in housing affordability in a generation under that former housing minister. And yet this is the same individual, that incoming tainted premier who is now promising to fix this terrible problem that he himself oversaw. But it's not just that, Mr. Speaker. It's also the promise that we'd heard from this government that within 10 years they would build 114,000 affordable units of housing. And yet here we are halfway through that 10-year plan and we've seen exactly 6% of those 114,000 promised housing units actually delivered. Many, by the way, started under the previous BC Liberal government. So my question to the Housing Minister is, will the Housing Minister finally admit that they never had any intention of keeping their promise to build $114,000 homes, and this has been yet another abject NDP failure? Attorney General and Minister responsible for housing. Mr. Speaker, finding houses people can afford right now is difficult across our country. You know, people are struggling with high housing costs, exacerbated by global inflation and exacerbated by a record population growth in our, in our province because people are attracted to the quality of life here. Over 100,000 people moved here last year. And, Mr. Speaker, housing needs to be provided for them. But, Mr. Speaker, for the Leader of the Opposition to talk of this is quite ironic, I'd say, because he would have cancelled one of the many tools we've applied to address this, namely the speculation and vacancy tax, which would have driven prices higher. Turned we've created 20,000 units that are now available for people to live in. But the Opposition Leader is quoted as saying that tax is unfair. Quote, these are not speculators. These are people that have a second problem and they've been forced to pay an additional cost. Mr. Speaker, we are living with a housing crisis. We need to take steps to do it in a dynamic way, and the tools that the Leader of the Opposition would, would offer nothing to this cause. Here, 
Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental. Well, Mr. Speaker, I, I don't know where to begin. Uh, let me start with the so-called 20,000 new homes this uh, so-called speculation tax uh, was apparently producing. Well, that's actually what they're doing is counting every single rental property that was built by the private sector uh, <coughs> across the province of British Columbia. I can assure you that... Numbers. Let's, let's, so, so let's hear I, I the question, please. I think it's important please. to understand, uh, Mr. Speaker, that if the speculation tax was supposed to take care of speculators, I am at least curious as to why the incoming tainted leader and premier of that party is, keeps talking about how he's introducing a flipping tax. I thought we had the speculation tax. Are we just going to keep naming things now? Flipping tax, and then speculation tax, and then the somersault tax, and whatever other taxes that they can think about that do not get the results that British Columbians want, which is lower rents and more affordable housing. The fact of the matter, Mr. Speaker, is as anyone in a five-minute private conversation uh, in the private sector could have told government, is that if they wish to have more affordable housing, they need to get a heck of a lot more supply into the marketplace. And I'm glad, glad that the incoming Premier designate has now recognized in the second term after overseeing the housing file for years that maybe supply has something to do with the housing price crunch we face now. But I would also, I would also just point out that the average rent, Mr. Speaker, the average rent in Vancouver has risen by $1,200 a month under this NDP government. $1,200 a month. And Vancouver is now the most expensive city in Canada for renters. That's their record. Now they can point fingers, they can talk about mysterious speculators, they can talk about all these other things, but the fact is that is their record. So Mr. Speaker, with the highest rents in the country, right here in the Lower Mainland, with the third highest housing prices in the planet, with all of their taxes that they love to name, wonderful names, having not produced any of the results that they promised, will this housing minister finally admit that their approach has failed and British Columbians have been let down by the policies of this entity? Minister. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We're making up for lost time after years where the old government didn't build homes at all. Let me give you an example. Mr. Speaker, not according to provincial figures, but according to the CMHC, more than twice the number of homes under construction than when the opposition leader was finance minister. Those are facts. Mr. Speaker, I want to talk about in my constituency, Mr. Speaker. Members, 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 please. Members. I'd like to talk, Mr. Members. Please continue. Mr. Speaker, I'd like to use an example from my constituency of Oak Bay Gordon Head. You know, that side, when they were in power, built only 130 student housing beds in 16 years. How many have we done, Mr. Speaker? 7,600 are open or underway. And Mr. Speaker, 
Mr. Speaker, that means in an overheated market like Victoria and Oak Bay, students are not com competing to the same extent with people looking for rental housing because there is housing available at the University of Victoria. We are building nearly 8,000 student housing beds across British Columbia and 398 just opened last month at the University of Victoria. They built none, Mr. Speaker, 130 in 16 years, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, the, the, the temerity, Mr. Speaker, to talk about rental, Mem to talk members. about the admittedly high cost of rental. Our government capped next year's rental increase at 2%. This government seems to think, although there's been contradiction by the leader opposition on CKNW and elsewhere, so I'm not entirely sure of their position, but I think it is that they would have 2% plus inflation. Mr. Speaker, that would mean next year tenants in this province would be facing a 7.4% increase in rent. We capped it at 2%. Members, members let's, let's hear this next question. Member for Peace River South. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Look, uh, multiple housing advocates uh, from around the province have actually said the incoming Premier schemes are actually going to make things worse for renters and even for, and it will help increase speculation. You know, speculation is something the NDP members here should know about because not only has their uh, tainted incoming Premier overseen the worst decline in housing affordability in a generation, his own caucus is full of speculators. In fact, in fact, uh, in fact, Honourable Speaker, well, I can keep laughing. It's, uh, I got some numbers here I'll share with you. Uh, since they want to see, seem to think that this is actually a funny issue that they talk about, NDP MLAs in this House actually own 102 properties and 95% of that caucus own properties not only just around BC, some of them hidden in uh, private trusts and numbered companies, but also have properties everywhere from Halifax, the United States, to properties in Mexico. Here's a bit more of the hypocrisy we see of the NDP, Mr. Speaker. Since the last election, well, you might want to hear this. This is really uh, exciting. You can, you, can, you can talk about this amongst your caucus and all your uh, real estate holdings later if you'd like. But uh, since the last election alone, the NDP have profited by over $8 million in their own personal real estate deals that they've uh, dealt with. So, so while the NDP are hypocritically profiting on their own real estate portfolios, they're attacking, they're attacking the everyday men and women who are actually trying to work and build affordable homes in communities around British Columbia. So to the housing minister again, Will the NDP stop attacking home builders and actually do their job and build the houses that they promised? Minister. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. In conversations with the BC Home Builders Association this week, they are entirely aligned with our plan to increase housing supply, want to work hand in hand with us to make more housing for British Columbians. Mr. Speaker. The honor 
The Honourable Member referred to the plan of the member for uh, Vancouver Point Grey. I'm pleased the UBCM in a statement said that the, this is a comprehensive and constructive plan. Multiple elements respond directly to local government requests. Mr. Speaker, we think we are aligned with local governments as we undertake together the hard work to increase the housing supply in this province. I talked about 20,000 homes that were empty and now are uh, now have lights on at night if you go buy them in places like Vancouver, Coal Harbour. Speculation tax has turned the corner on that. There are 36,000 homes open or underway. The housing starts, Mr. Speaker, are, are at record highs in our province. And as I said, Mr. Speaker, we have capped the annual rent increases below inflation and prevented illegal rent evictions. We've increased housing near transit hubs. There are a number of steps that need to be taken, and Mr. Speaker, we are taking them. Peace River South Supplemental. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. The reason why the Home Builders Association has offered to help is because this government has utterly failed in delivering anything on their housing promises. <laughs> Look, the NDP have attacked me for fixing up abandoned, condemned, run-down homes in my own community and then turning them into affordable... Members. Well, yeah, I appreciate getting heckled by the member from Surrey Fleetwood, otherwise known up north as the land baron of Prince Members, George, no. for the multiple properties that he owns. Look, I'm proud to have been fixing up and making affordable homes with my own bare hands in my property. Yeah, how many? We can members, debate later. Members, yeah. members, members, let's. There's you know, no here, need. Please, continue. You know, the Minister of Housing wants to talk about issues in his own riding. Here's something else from his own riding. The Minister himself owns a $4 million mansion in Oak Bay on top of multiple vacation properties. So maybe he and the incoming tainted Premier can come up to my riding and they can see what I've done with my own bare hands to help with the affordability crisis. Look. I'm not sure what the minister knows about affordability. I mean, the cost of maybe just a bedroom, a bedroom in his uh, multi-million dollar mansion, uh, just a bedroom is probably more than what it costs for an entire affordable house in my riding. You know, maybe the next time he's sipping a margarita at his vacation beachfront property in member, Mexico, he'll member, be able to member, uh, ponder that thought. Member, let's, no personal comments. Let's, let's stick with the, yeah, well, please. Shh. Members, please. My apologies, Mr. Speaker. Do you say no personal comments? You don't have to attack personally we'll anybody. When we look around the house here. Yeah. Continue. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, I'll make it simple. Uh, back to the uh, housing minister. So instead of attacking the men and women and the people that are actually building affordable houses, again, they promised 114,000 houses and have failed on that promise. When will they finally deliver? Minister. To say that the government has failed, I th I'd ask the Honourable Member to tell that to the 20,000 people who now are living in units that would not have been available if we had stuck with the Leader of the Opposition and not brought in And Mr. Speaker, the Honourable Member is right. We have committed to the delivery of 114,000 homes in partnership with 
a portion of those planned as publicly funded homes. So, for example, Mr. Speaker, we have we have spent and we are on track to spend seven billion dollars over ten years through BC Housing. And we're on track to do that now, and we're on track to deliver those 114,000 homes. Investments with the federal and local governments. A new housing hub, Mr. Speaker, which has already brought more than 6,000 homes to the, to the market. Mr. Speaker, we have worked with local governments and given them a number of tools to achieve what they need to do. We've made investments in transit, which of course is central to the housing supply issue. Yes, there's much more to, to do, Mr. Speaker, but we've made enormous progress in addressing the housing crisis in our province. House Leader of the Third Party. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thousands of my constituents in Saanich North and the islands are desperate to get access uh, to primary health care. Mr. Speaker, back in February, I asked the Minister of Health about a doctor's clinic charging a so-called continuity of care fee over and above uh, MSP billing. Uh, for the past year, we've asked the Minister why there's a growing uh, corporatization of primary health care on his watch. He claims to support equitable, universal health care system for all British Columbians, yet the excruciatingly slow pace of his response is leaving our, our communities uh, with, uh, without accessible health care and vulnerable, underserved citizens are desperate. In Sydney, a new operator has just hung a shingle. For $2,400 annually, you can get primary health care services not covered by MSP. Prior to uh, the minister, primary health care included preventative care, screenings, diagnostics, and so on. However, now people have to pay out of pocket for what they're calling non-medically necessary services, end quote. Mr. Speaker, through you to the Minister of Health, why are the exclusive primary health care clubs like Shoal, like Harrison, like TELUS growing under his watch? Minister of Health. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. In 2018, one of the early actions as Minister of Health was to strengthen the protections by regulation in the Medicare Protection Act, provisions that had been passed under the previous government but never proclaimed, taking consistent action to support public health care everywhere, including the repatriation of private contracts and actions to support public care in every way. This is included in particular, Honourable Speaker, the purchase of private surgical centres and private MRI centres to reduce wait times in the public system. With respect to people who may be in violation of the Medicare Protection Act, though that is the responsibility under the law, under the Medicare Protection Act, of the Medical Services Commission. And they consistently take action, including cases, in the members' riding on that basis. They are going to be taking action. They have the authority, based on the Act, to take action, including the power of injunctions, and they take that, that role very seriously. The Commission is, as the member will know, made up partly of representatives of the government, but also of the doctors of BC. I think the Commission is a strong supporter of public health care and opposed to any extra billing, as am I. Member for Supplemental. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, the Minister uh, can 
the minister's response is void of actually answering the question. The reality is that while I've, we've been asking these questions over the last year, the minister has stood up and continued to repeat uh, the same rhetoric back to us. Meanwhile, in our communities, we are seeing more and more services which are differentiating between those who can afford to pay for the health care, primary health care that they're desperately needing, and those who cannot. That is the very definition of a growing two-tier health care system in our province under this minister's watch, yet he will not respond directly. It's been months since the minister has been sitting on a report in investigating TELUS Health's enabling of a two-tier health care system. He has the report, Mr. Speaker. Meanwhile, we have prominent NDP staffers, former staffers, continuing to lobby this government on behalf of TELUS Health. It seems the NDP lobbyist pipeline is not just for oil and gas uh, pipe uh, companies, Mr. Speaker. They're now getting into the corporatization of our health care system as well. Meanwhile, meanwhile, more and more services continue to show up in our communities across the province. A Victoria Clinic is offering access to a family doctor for $110 a month. In McLean's, the owner said this, quote, the reality is that the kinds of changes that need to happen within the public system take years to implement if they ever do. Clinics like ours and patients throughout BC don't have the luxury of waiting for that to happen. I have operators in my communities that are pleading for the government to act quicker so that we are not being exploited by services that are charging fees to the Minister of Health. Is this his vision of equitable access to universal primary health care in BC? Minister of Health. Thank you uh, very much, uh, Honourable Chair. Honourable Chair, we are, of course, a province of laws. We've strengthened the Medicare Protection Act. We have a strong Medical Services Commission, which enforces those laws and takes the action where appropriate. There is no report to be sat on. The Medical Services Commission does reviews and then it takes action. That is their authority under the law, as the member surely well knows by now, Honourable Speaker, surely well knows. What I would, what I would say, Honourable Speaker, is we are also taking action, Honourable Speaker, of course, to, to address primary care in our province. 1,200 people added incrementally to primary care networks, Honourable Speaker. 350 people working in 28 urgent and primary care centres, Honourable Speaker. The addition of Indigenous primary care centres, Honourable Speaker. The addition of community health centres, Honourable Speaker. The addition, in fact, this year of a record number of new-to-practice doctors committed to full-service family practice because of actions that we've taken, working with the resident doctors and the doctors of BC, Honourable Speaker. And yes, Honourable Speaker, we're working closely with doctors and nurse practitioners and everyone else in BC to make improvements to primary care everywhere in the members' riding and everywhere else. Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. Well, renters and landlords in my community have been completely ignored by the residential tenancy branch under the tainted incoming Premier who oversaw the worst decline in housing affordability in a generation. In Kelowna, a 19-year-old woman came to me after she was physically assaulted by her tenant. Despite the fact that the police charged and placed a restraining order on her tenant, the tenant was still allowed to live in her house. 
What should have been urgently resolved at the residential tenancy branch instead took months. This woman was left alone to deal with her assailant, who later broke the windows of that same house with a baseball bat. To the housing minister, can the housing minister explain why the NDP would force a landlord to keep renting to someone who physically attacked them without any support? Minister. Mr. Speaker, uh, Mr. Speaker, there is, of course, a new compliance and enforcement unit in the residential tenancy branch, so landlords and tenants have a place to go when disputes of the kind the Honourable Member has brought forward are addressed. There are new rules, of course, allowing landlords to, make, to seek increases in rent in certain circumstances where necessary capital expenditures uh, must be made in order to ensure the house remains habitable. Yet notwithstanding that, we have, in, 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 the, in the interest of housing, housing affordability, attempted to provide a rent cap of 2%, whereas the Honourable Opposition would have, would have made it members, a 7.4%, I believe. Mr. Speaker, the residential tenancy branch has had an increase in staff lately. The residential tenancy branch is aware of the need for change. They've been swamped by work, as you can well imagine, in this difficult period and they're making the necessary changes to adopt to those realities. Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The last time we heard from the tainted incoming Premier on his promise of a $400 annual renter's rebate was before Budget Day. And he said, and I quote, we're working on it, end quote. But after 2,000 days of being at the Cabinet table, the former Housing Minister only managed to oversee the worst decline in housing affordability in a generation and he has failed time and again to deliver the rebate. He even failed to mention the rebate in his 100-day non-action scheme. 100 days, no renter's rebate promised. Meanwhile, the skyrocketing cost of living is eating away the value of the now six-year-late rebate every single day. To the Housing Minister, when will the renter's rebate get, when will renters get the $400 annual renter's rebate that was promised six years ago by this government? Minister of Finance. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. And as I've said in this House before, we will bring uh, in the renters' rebate uh, during our mandate. Uh, but I, I think it's really important. I think it's really important to uh, remind everybody to remind everybody about how the old government operated and treated renters. And in fact, Mr. Speaker, I was actually think, thinking and, and recalling sitting on that side of the House and listening to Christy Clark giggling at the, in, the rising cost of housing, giggling, and thinking and saying to people, just move out the valley, just leave the lower mainland if you can't afford it. And then I remember the next leader of, of, of the opposition who thought that uh, renting was a, uh, a, a, a wacky time, I can't remember the word, a wacky time. Mr. Speaker, that's the leadership under the, for the people opposite, the BC Liberals, giddy, giddy, giddy that the, the, the wealthiest people in this province were making tons of money on housing. Members, please. Member, it's okay. Please, continue. Suggesting that renting was a wacky time, again, BC uh, Liberal leadership. Under the old government, when they were in government, Landlords could raise inflation, can raise rents, inflation plus 
And I remember asking, where did that come from? Who decided that? What was the rationale? Nobody knew. It's just what the previous government said was fair to landlords. But we knew, Mr. Speaker, that renters were struggling. So what did we do? We took action, Mr. Speaker. We eliminated, we eliminated the automatic 2%. We made sure that that was eliminated. We also have capped rents during the pandemic. We said, and what did the members opposite said? They thought that was a terrible idea to cap rents during a pandemic. We've taken additional efforts, Mr. Speaker, for this coming year, capping rents at 2%. We've members. capped rent. If, if the members opposite, they continue, to, they continue Minister. to oppose. Minister, Minister, just hold it. Members, members from the opposition, if you have disagreement with the answer coming, you have every right to come back and rebut that. Okay, so please, let's continue. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. In fact, the previous leader, uh, leader said uh, that the eviction ban during COVID-19 was not leadership and was a formula for trouble. Uh, that is a quote from him on April the 8th, 2020. Mr. Speaker, the opposition continues to oppose the caps that we've been putting on rent, making, helping renters get through what is a difficult inflationary time. In fact, Mr. Speaker, Thank you. A, a renter paying $2,000 a month will avoid paying $814 because we put in a cap, because we made a Thank difference, you. Mr. Speaker, and we're going to keep making a difference for renters. Thank you. Member for Prince George Vale Mount. Well, I think perhaps the finance minister might want to go take a look at her revisionist history, and she may want to plan to correct the record very shortly about what this side of the House did. And not only that, she had no hesitation to stand in this House and defend a retroactive pay increase for her and her colleagues. So maybe what, maybe what she should be So maybe what she should do today is stand up and commit to a retroactive rent rebate for the people in British Columbia who can't afford to pay And while members on the other side of the House shake their heads, let's remind them, not once, but twice, glossy brochures all about the promises to renters in British Columbia. Let's look at the record of this government. Let's look at the fact that under this government's watch and the tainted incoming Premier, guess what? The biggest decline in housing affordability in a generation. That's the record of this government and the incoming Premier. So will the Minister of Finance get up today and tell British Columbians exactly when renters in this province will see the rebate that's been promised not once, but twice, and will she make it retroactive? Minister of Finance. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. And as I said, we will be bringing in the renter's rebate in this mandate. But I also want to point out, Mr. Speaker, and we did, we did the math around the old government bringing in uh, their rent increase formula, 2% uh, plus CPI. And, and here we are, 15 years later, if, if they had 
um, if we had continued with that. Um, so the members, the members mocked 75 years ago. Well, we can just we only have to go back 16 years. Uh, well, 20 years now. Members, fifteen years, fifteen years. Members, it's okay. We are almost done. Please continue. Fifteen years after they brought that in, that 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 new formula, rents were forty percent higher because of their formula. Their formula. Their two percent plus CPI has added 40% of the increase, Mr. Speaker. To me, that's shameful. The bell ends the question period.